I've enjoyed the song service this morning. Brother Gary's prayer touched on some things I want to touch on and also appreciate his praying in my behalf. You know, one of the things that I've done some lately is put God on one side of the board and the devil on the other and mention that it is our purpose always to get people closer to God in the church service. That's what our desire is, to edify, to build up. I hope this morning that the lesson will motivate you to get closer to God. Sometimes we don't feel so near to God. A lot of things can happen in our lives. And the weeds can choke the Word. And we get discouragements. And so I want to hope this sermon this morning will help us to draw near to God and He'll draw near unto us. Sometimes we feel like God's a long ways away. We need to be near to Him. If that's our feeling, then we need some changes in our life. In in the book of James, chapter 2, in verse number 19, you believe in one God. You do well. The devils also believe and tremble. You know, it's a good thing when we believe in the one true God, Jehovah, creator of heaven and earth and sea, and all that in them is, that's good. But the devils believe and tremble. Is your faith stronger than the devils this morning? What are we going to do with our faith? Faith without works is dead, is the apostle or the yeah, the apostle's point in this chapter. What are you going to do with your faith? Where's it going to lead you? What's it going to cause you to do? What's it going to cause you not to do? That's the question. There's more than just believing. Adam and Eve believed in God. What did it do for them? They listened to the devil instead. Heard a fellow say one time, if you've ever believed for one second that Jesus is the Son of God, you got a ticket to heaven. You know, I don't believe that. Adam and Eve believed in God. Faith without works is dead. Even in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, the idea that sin wouldn't hurt you was a lie. Sin has consequences. You know, there were over 300 prophecies of the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. Every one of those was history before it happened. That's what prophecy is. It's history before it happens. The second coming of Jesus, the resurrection of all the dead, the judgment and the destruction of this earth 
our history before it happens. That's coming. The Bible says there's going to be a last day. Last means the furthest from the first. In Genesis we read about the first day. The last day is going to be the one furthest, but there is going to be a day, a final day, the last day, the day of judgment. And we need to be prepared. When's the last time you thought about the last day? I hope that when you leave here today, that you will think about it often. Do you think about the last day when you turn on your computer? Do you think about the last day when you choose your entertainment? Do you think about the last day when you search for a job or when you go to pick a mate? Do you think about the last day? Are you motivated by the last day to make proper and right decisions now? We should be. Thinking about the last day makes people better people. When we think about the last day, I'm going to be there. And everybody in this audience is going to be here and everybody since Adam and Eve that has lived on this earth is going to be there. Nobody's going to be left out. You know, I saw on the news, I don't remember, I don't watch the news that much, but I happened to be watching that evening when they were bringing those people out of Afghanistan and the pictures were there. And there was masses of people. And they would run this way. And then they would run that way. And then they would run another way. They were panic stricken. As their minds tried to accept the fact that their protectors, the Americans, were leaving. And the people in charge were going to be mean and cruel men seeking their lives reckon it may be something like that on judgment day the devils believe and tremble where do you think they're going to want to run on that day they have no expectation of anything good that day If we'll think about the last day, we'll make better decisions. If we think about it seriously. If we believe it's really going to happen. Do you really believe there's going to be a judgment day? I think one of the problems in our country, not very many people believe there's going to be a judgment day when they're going to be called into account for the deeds that they've done in the flesh according to whether it be good or whether it be evil. Do you believe that? I mean, really believe that. The devils believe. And they tremble. You know, sometimes we get to thinking we're pretty important. We've arrived. We're a highly educated people. We've got big barns. We've got big houses. We've got cars. We've got electronics running out of our ears. Reckon how God looks at all that. <laughs> 
James also talked about some rich men and how those riches would cling to them at the judgment in a way that was not good. The young rich man went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. They ruled his life. That was more important than God, spirituality. He wasn't thinking about the last day. He was thinking about the here and the now. And he loved his possessions. Whereby are giving unto us exceeding great and precious promises, Peter said, the resurrection, a home in heaven, make your calling and election sure. Make that your number one priority. Do you feel secure today that if Jesus comes, and He's coming, if we believe it, will you meet Him in there? Or will you be left behind? Jesus said, Be ye ready. What does that mean? That means prepared. It means to have expectation. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Most preachers will tell you today that we should not fear God. That's a bad thing. Fear to them is a dirty word. It's a four-letter word. Don't fear God. Everything's going to be okay. That's what the devil said in the garden. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about sin. Noah was moved with fear. Why? Because he believed God. He had faith in God. And God said, the end of all flesh has come before me. And Noah believed it. Nobody else believed it, but Noah did. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. He gave his life. He dedicated his life to the building of this big boat. It took over a hundred years. But that was his number one priority. He wanted his family to have a place of safety when that flood came. And that's the plan that God gave him. Was Noah wrong to fear God? He wasn't wrong. He was wise. He was wise. By the fear of the Lord men depart from evil, Solomon said. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do we fear God? Or do we just think everything's wonderful and everything's going to work out on its own? And I don't have to put out any effort. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the holy... Pardon me. For this is the whole duty of man. That's our whole duty. To fear God and keep His commandment. A man would have to be a fool not to fear God. Those are warnings in Scripture that are given to God's people. 
about how we need to live and conduct our lives. Satan was a liar in the beginning. He was the father of lies. John 8, 44 says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. All these little devils are ministers of Satan. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 talks about the ministers of Satan. Yes, he's got preachers. The hookers, the drug dealers, the promoters of sin of every sort. They're working diligently every day to get your children, to get your family, to get you... They're very good at what they do. They're promoting their message with the printed page, with the magazine pictures, with the video, with the TV, with the internet, and we could go on. You can't escape that from being around you. Where would you go on this earth to escape that being around you? They're diligent. See, one of the problems that the devils have, and one of the reasons that they tremble is, they can't go to heaven. There is no gospel or good news for the devils. They don't serve God. They serve the devil. And they can't go to heaven. Have you ever heard the saying, misery loves company? That's why they're so diligent. They want all of us there with them throughout eternity in the lake of fire. That's what they want. That's what their life is dedicated to. They want you. And we better be aware of that. What are they saying? Their message is, don't fear God. Don't fear God. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to Him. Listen to Satan. Listen. Satan will give you immediate gratification. You don't have to wait for pie in the sky. You can have immediate gratification right now. Don't sacrifice when you can have it right now in this world. Hey, <laughs> you're going to love serving Satan. He's not going to put any rules on you. He's not going to keep you from doing just anything you want to do. He's not going to put any rules on you. Those guys are just chained down with rules that follow God. When you hear that, that's the message of Satan. And it's on the airways every day. Our country is being swept away with this message of how wonderful sin is.
I'd like for you to turn over to 2 Peter, if you would, in your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse number 15. There's a lot of um, false teachers, wicked people, sinful people mentioned in this chapter, but as we get on down later in the chapter, and we get to verse 15, he speaks, he says, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray, well, let's back up to 14 having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. That's what Peter said, they're cursed children. Which have forsaken the right way, which are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness but was rebuked for the iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Even his donkey speaking to him didn't change him. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Yeah, the devils know that. They understand that very well. They believe it with all their heart. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, vanity is worthless. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. That's me and you. They are alluring us. They're trying to persuade us to give up Christianity, to give up the church, to give up God, to give up our Christian association. To live like the world, to dress like the world, to think like the world. That's what they want. That's the way they want to accomplish their goal. Verse 19 says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. Wasn't that what Jesus said? Whether we serve Satan and sin... You're in bondage. Well, the Jews said, we've never been in bondage. He said, yeah, because when you let sin take over your life, you're in bondage. You're not free. Even though you believe you're free, you're not free. Because judgment's coming. The last day's coming. For if after they have escaped the corruptions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, isn't that what the gospel does? We listen to the gospel, we love the gospel, we obey the gospel, we escape the corruption that is in the world. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses every sin that we've ever committed and our conscience is clear and we rejoice like the eunuch. And then here comes all those little devils. If they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Peter lived around people like this. Peter himself fell off the wagon for a little while, didn't he, when he cursed and swore and said he didn't know Jesus. He felt the pressure of the people around him and he gave in to peer pressure. Pardon me. 
Said it'd been better if they'd have never known. Verse 22 says, It has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog has turned to his own vomit again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. He said that's what God sees when he sees a Christian go back into the pig pen of sin. The sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mud. We've all seen that. Have you ever heard the term hog heaven? We're in hog heaven. Living high on the hog. That's hog heaven. That's hog heaven. That old sow's wallowing around in that mud and all those little devils just washing themselves, you know. Come on in, the mud's fine. That's the message. That's the message. In Matthew 13 and verse number 30, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them. That's what's going to happen to those devils. They're going to be bound, and they're going to be burned in the fire. And they know that, and they believe that, and they understand that. Why do they tremble? Matthew 25. Thou shalt say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus said to the Christian, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. It's a prepared place for the followers of Jesus. But I want to tell you, hell is a prepared place for the devil and his angels. You see, the devil was already in heaven. We don't know exactly when that was. I assume it was before the creation of the earth. He was already in heaven. And he led a revolt among the angels to rebel against God. See, he brought sin into heaven just like he did to the earth. And he got a lot of followers. That's the devils. That's the devils. That's why they can't go to heaven. They had their opportunity. Now we have our opportunity to make our choices about whether we want to love and serve the God we read about in the Bible. A God of equality. A God who is not a respecter of persons. Who God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Do we want to serve Him? Do we want to believe what He says? Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice and I... F- and hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give unto them eternal life and no man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. There's not a devil that can touch you unless you allow it. Unless you allow it. And if you allow it, you can be sure they'll touch you. Because they want you. They want your soul to be with them. But judgment is coming. And their eternal abode is the lake of fire. And when they hear a sermon like this, and I'm sure that some of them do, They know that day's coming. And they tremble more. Have you ever seen an animal tremble? Yeah. They're afraid of something. Sometimes we tremble with fear. But we have a choice. And if we believe that day is coming, those choices are going to be very different from the choices that the world makes. If you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to start in verse 19. Galatians 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. And that means other things just like that. Of the which I have told you before, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now folks, that's a very different message than sin won't hurt you. That's a very different message. Sin will hurt you. Sin will condemn your soul to hell just right there where the devils are at because you followed what they wanted you to follow. And you gave in to that rather than standing up against it and honoring God and honoring your Savior who loved you and gave Himself for you. When Matthew 25 says the devil and his angels were cast into the lake of fire, folks, there again, that's history before it happens. It's going to happen. It really, really is going to happen. 
the devils, as unwilling as they are, they're trying in every way to avoid coming to that day of judgment, but as unwilling as they are, they will be there. That's history. That verse is history before it happens. When God prophesied back in Isaiah chapter 9, Unto us a son is born. Jesus wasn't going to come for another 500 years. But it was spoken of as though it had already happened. Why? Because when God promises something, it's going to happen. God cannot lie. He does not lie. He just tells us a lot of things before they happen. So we can know, so we can make the proper decision, so that we can prepare ourselves to get ready for that time. And God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing according to whether it be good or evil. When we get to the day of judgment... Every sin that has not been repented of and washed in the blood of Jesus will be there to face us. It'll be there to face us. I started out studying. I was going to preach on Ezekiel 18 this morning where Ezekiel draws us a picture, and I want to preach on this for too long, but he draws us a picture of a person who starts out in life following God. And then as he goes along, he gets led away with the error of the wicked. And he comes down to the judgment. Well, you know what people are going to say at the judge? Lord, when I was growing up and I lived with my parents, I went to church every Sunday. I followed your rules. Can't you remember what I did when I was young? He says, that's not how you died. That's not how you lived your life. And all of those good things that you did when you were wrong were good, but they're not going to be mentioned in your defense at the judgment because you turned away from that and you turned back to the world expecting something better. From this day forward, I hope you'll be thinking about the last day and living your life in preparation to live with God in heaven. That's what we want, folks. That's what it's all about. And that's the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Be ye also ready, Matthew 24, 44. For in such a day as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. What does that mean? When he's least expected. Everything's going great. What could go wrong? Boom. The last trumpet. You think there'll be people scurrying around 
wanting to change their life at that time? Sure there will be. But you see, it's like that mob in Afghanistan. You can run wherever you want to run. You can run and call for the mountains and the rocks to fall on you. But it won't kill you. Because it's the resurrection. And death is destroyed. And it's impossible for man to die after the resurrection. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now listen. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. That's what we're supposed to do when the devil comes knocking. Resist. James said, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He doesn't like to dwell in the light. He doesn't like to be around righteous things and righteous living. He wants to be in that mud. Be steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection chapter of the New Testament, Paul said, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The devil won't spend a lot of time with you when you're steadfast. It's when he catches you in weakness and carelessness. Some men's sins go beforehand. We know that. Everybody knows it. Some men's follow after. They're secret. Nobody knew. They thought. God knew all the time. You know, we, we can try to hide our sin. But a long time ago, Moses said in Exodus 23 and verse 2, Be sure. You can be sure about this. You can take it to the bank. Your sins will find you out. You can't hide your sins. Somebody knows. Just depends on how many people they tell, how many people know. But somebody knows. So we come down to this hour. And John gave us a test. And we're going to take that test to know if we're ready. Turn over to 1 John 3, verse 19. First John, John 3, verse 19. Well, I'll get there after a while, maybe. In 1 John 3 and verse number 19, he said, Hereby we know. If we know something, we know something. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. This is a way we have assurance, folks. For if our heart condemn us not, God is greater than our heart, and He knoweth all things. You ever heard of the all-seeing eye of God? That's talked about a lot in Scripture. He knows everything. 
If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. So you can't hide your sin from God. God knows this morning every sin that you committed unless it's been removed by the blood of Jesus. It's still on your account. It's still there. And if it was the day of judgment, that would be brought to life. Because you're going to stand there and answer for your life. Well, what about this matter over here? So when I read that this morning, what are you thinking about? Are you, are you thinking about something that's still on your record? Then I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not ready for judgment. Verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. That's that assurance that he mentioned back up there in verse 19. far as I know, he says, I've done like David. David prayed to God and he said, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Can you pray that prayer in faith? God, look into my heart, look into my life, search every corner. And see if there be any wicked way in me. We need to pray that prayer often. And you can bet if we know about it, God knows about it. You know, when the milk is spilt, there's not much you can do about it. And that's the way it is with sin. But you can wipe it up. You can't get milk off the table and get it back in the carton. That just You can't do that. And you can't undo your sin, but you can get it washed in the blood of Jesus. If you haven't been baptized, you can be baptized for the remission of your sins, believing in Jesus, the resurrected Savior, the Son of the living God. It's the very same prayer in baptism. Pardon me. Got my tongue twisted. It's the very same blood in prayer that cleanses us as it is in baptism. That's just two different ways for different people to get forgiveness. The alien sinner needs to be baptized and come into the kingdom of God, the church, and be forgiven. If we're already in the church, we need to repent. Repent means I change. Often it's translated turn in the Scriptures. It means to do a U-turn. I'm going this way, now I'm going this way. But if we don't clean up the spilt milk of sin in our life, we will answer for it in the judgment. And so I want you to look at those verses this morning and be honest with yourself. Does your heart condemn you? Or does your heart assure you? But there's not any middle ground. 
And I'm just here this morning to encourage you. You need to get your life right with God if it's not. And if you need the, uh, the prayers of brethren to help you, we'll be glad to assist you with that. I don't say that a person has to walk down here to the front of the building to get forgiveness. But if that'll help you make and rededicate your life and receive the support of your brothers and sisters, we'll do that. But I'm just telling you, if you know about sin in your life this morning, I hope you'll get it out. And let God remove it as far as the east is from the west. And that's what He wants to do. He will, if you'll let Him, as we stand and sing.